Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hi everyone, it's Doc with a special announcement. We are going to take a cruise through some of our most popular episodes from prior seasons to get everyone fired up. Now our new content will continue to drop on Saturdays each week but we will also be re-releasing these great episodes on Monday for your morning commute. I know you've all heard about Classic Rock. Well, we're gonna call these episodes Classic Doc. Sit back, settle in, and enjoy the ride. Hi everybody, it's Doc from the John Freakin' Mirpod, and I wanna let you know about our new website on WordPress. Take a few minutes and check it out. You'll be able to find pictures of the pod's guests, links to the podcast and social media accounts, ways to support the pod, how to get in touch, and our entire back catalog is there, including episode summaries. Missed these sections of the JMT episodes? You can find them there. Missed a Triple Crowner episode? Yep, that's there too. World travelers, adventure athletes, polar explorers, Barkley Marathon competitors, authors, filmmakers, documentarians, and more are waiting for you. Take a look at the new website, and just a reminder, adventure lives here. Look, sometimes no matter how hard you try, sometimes you need a bit of luck. Bear Grylls. It took me 100 yards to stop. We were going really fast and I dropped my bike and I ran up to him 
and I was so scared. I was so worried that he was going to be really damaged or hurt or just, I, I, I didn't know. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freaking Muir Pod. Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. From the backcountry to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. Since 1984, Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water. Using time-released liposome technology, topical insect repellents, and new standards in water filtration. And with every Sawyer product you buy, you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for podcasters, I feel like my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. And welcome back for another episode of the John Freaking Muir Pod. We've got a real treat this week as we have the brainchild from Team Curls, an adventure racing team that participated in what's been called the toughest race in the world, the Eco Challenge. The race was featured in a hit TV series on Amazon Prime and took place after a layoff of 17 years in Fiji. Brett Gravelin was gracious enough to accept my invitation to come on the John Freaking Your Pod and share his experiences from that epic race. Welcome to the pod, Brett. Thanks for having me. Stoked to be here. Awesome. Hey, I want to give you a little bit of a heads up on a regular segment we do on the pod. It's called the Pro Tip Inside of the Week. And what this is, is at the end of the episode, I'm going to turn to you. I don't want you to be surprised. I'm going to turn to you and I'm going to say, All right, Brett, what is your pro tip for our listeners? What can they add to their next adventure that's going to make it that much more enjoyable? And generally, the the pro tip stems from, you know, something we've talked about during the course of the episode. So you can't really plan it in advance. It just has to crop up uh, during our conversation. Okay. Say that again. You're not coming through. Uh Uh-oh. Sounds good. I'm in. All right. Very good. So let's just get right down to it. Uh, what is this sport called adventure racing? Wow. Uh, <laughs> it's a, well, for me, it was my first experience in it. So Fiji was all I know thus far, but uh, it's kind of just putting a bunch of different sports together and 
trying to finish the thing by conquering all these really tough obstacles. So in our case, Fiji had um, outrigger canoeing, stand-up paddling, climbing, rappelling, uh, mountain biking, trekking, uh, canyoneering. So that was kind of what my limited view of it has been thus far. I can't believe that was your first adventure race was the, the big one, Eco Challenge Fiji. Yeah, I mean, I had heard about the Eco Challenge when I was in college and uh, I applied with some, I was, I was a swimmer in college and I applied and we actually got accepted. But uh, you had to come up with a $20,000 corporate sponsor. And at the time, that was a big ask for four college kids. And uh, we didn't find one. But I must have been on a mailing list or something because when they brought it back, they're like, hey, we're bringing it back. Would you have any interest? And I was like, oh, oh, here's the chance. I haven't been doing anything catered towards that, but let's give it a go. And so um, went and found some teammates and we got in and that was that. <laughs> Trial so by fire. So let's talk about your teammates. Can you tell us a little bit about them and how many, how many teammates? I know because I've watched the show, but uh, just for our listeners out there, how many people actually participate in the race? And I know that there is some support personnel as well. Sure. So it's a team of four and you have to have uh, at least one from the opposite gender. So you could be three women and a man or in our case, three men and a woman. And obviously it could be two and two. And you, this, for this race, you got a support, which previous eco challenges didn't have in, um, I've never done another or you know another adventure race, so I don't know if that's kind of the the lay of the land or if we just got kind of lucky. But anyhow, uh, we were a team of five, so four racers. Uh, it was myself, Justin Smith, Stephen Lenhart, and Jennifer Hemmen, and we had our support person. Um, oh my god, <laughs> I'm a little tired. But uh, Jeff Failures, and so he was our medic and he took care of us whenever we came back just kind of battered and bleeding and fixed us up and got us ready to go again. So that was our team and it was an awesome experience to start off with. It <laughs> doesn't get much better, I, I imagine. And did you all know each other prior to the race? Yeah, so when I first heard of the race, uh, my first, the first, very first person I even thought to ask, because it's kind of like this, like, I don't know, can we, is this a real thing? Should we, so we... So I thought of someone who definitely does crazy things and would probably say yes. And I asked him and that was Justin Smith. And Justin's like one of the more talented athletes I know and also crazy. And so he didn't get back to me for a couple of weeks and I just kind of left it and was like, okay, I guess it's not happening. And then he caught back and he's like, yeah, let's do this. And so then he was like, okay, I think I know a woman. It's uh, I used to coach her kids and he's a swim coach and I think she's pretty hardcore and she might be in. And so we asked her, she said, yeah. And then we needed one more. And so I had a really good friend uh, who I knew was also just up for pretty much anything you could ask him. And he would, if he had the time, he'd be like, yeah, let's do it. And so that was Steven. And um, then we needed someone who could actually like make sure that we're healthy because health is probably the key is just being able to go on to the next day. And so, uh, Jeff's a paramedic and we figured that'd be perfect to just kind of patch us up and get us back on the road. And that was how we got the team. Wow. Now the, the tagline uh, of this podcast is, you know, we, we finished every episode with embrace the suck because sometimes you could be on a long backpacking trip or a, adventure race. And, you know, it's not a lot of fun. Sometimes you are, you are putting in the hours, putting in the work and right. it can be painful at times, but the reward is just amazing. So 
uh, embrace the suck. I have to, I, I feel like that really applies to what you guys went through after, after seeing the duration and the, the obstacles and the pain and the exhaustion of the eco challenge. How long is the race and what kinds of different terrains did you face? Yeah. So I think ignorance was bliss for us because we didn't really know how hard it was going to suck. And so that was kind of in our favor where we would just kind of head out on whatever it was. And, you know, we didn't know we we're going to be out there a few hours or 12 hours or what. But uh, the course, uh, they left it open for 11 days. And some teams finished days ahead of everyone else. And other teams finished right at the mark. And so each discipline would vary from, you know, depending on how fast you were in our case, probably our fastest checkpoint might've been like, I don't know, four to six hours. Time becomes irrelevant uh, out there and only two people have a watch. So you don't really know the time or the day. You're just trekking, trying to get to a checkpoint and change whatever you're doing to something else. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, that was kind of, we ended up being out there for nine days and some change-ish. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was, our, I think, our longest segment was probably about 12 hours ish. Ooh. And uh, that was on the Billy Billy, which <laughs> the Billy Billy is a bamboo boat where you think, oh, awesome. We get to build a bamboo boat and then we get to float down a river. And they give you like, oh, there's bull sharks in the river. And, you know, every year some locals get attacked. And you're like, oh, well, maybe it's not as cool. <laughs> so you don't really want to fall off the Billy Billy. And uh, you know, you get on there, you start floating, you're, you've been trekking. So it's nice to be cool. And you sit on there and four hours go by and we're talking. We're like, you know, the eco challenge isn't so bad. Like this was our team talk. Uh -huh. And we were kind of just like, yeah, this isn't bad. Six hours go by. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm probably ready to be off this. Eight hours go by. Then we're just cursing at each other and like, this sucks. <laughs> 10 hours go by we think we see a light and we're like that's got to be the checkpoint we haven't seen anything so we paddle out walk up and there's nothing there it's just a village and it's like 10 at night and we're cold tired just over it and so we get back on it and then we keep going for another couple hours and at this point you've fallen in a couple times like you get just lackadaisical and we crashed into some rocks and fell into the water you're falling in the water you're like bull sharks but it's really like the water's like you know a foot or two deep and so there's probably not going to be a bull shark right there to get you but you know you just start getting in your own head and um so yeah we ended up being there 12 hours and then you have to pull out uh, all your rafting and stuff and that was kind of one of our real long sucky parts where we realized the eco challenge isn't just physical because that wasn't a physical bit at all that was mm -hmm. pure mental because you're just sitting there floating wet and cold for 12 hours right and so, do you remember how many miles how many total miles was the entire race uh 400 and change i believe oh 400 and change and how many checkpoints were there 32 okay all right yeah. And before we get too far on the, on the trail of, uh, of the Eco Challenge, just back up just a little bit. So you get your team together. You've got the five of you. How, how do you prepare for something like this? How many months did it take you? How much right. in advance did you, did you get the invitation? And then uh, you put your team together. And how long did you train? And what kinds of things did you do to train? Sure. So I guess 
to answer that properly is to look at our disciplines. Um, we kind of come from a very broad background of activities. Um, Steven was a professional soccer player, but he's pretty much good at whatever sport he touches. He can just pick something up and he's just magically good at it. Uh, Jennifer is an ultra runner. And so she can just grind away 30 miles in a day. And for her, it's nothing. Uh, Justin is the man of just whatever he was you know a really good triathlete he decided he wanted to do mountain biking and was winning like 400 mile races and he so that was his kind of background it's kind of like the the grinding sort of thing and me I was more into beach volleyball and surfing which don't particularly translate to you know adventure racing and so that was kind of our backgrounds we had to figure out okay wh what are we good at and what do we need to work on and so I live here in Santa Cruz. And so I was, had the ability to go train an outrigger more than they did. So I ended up spending a couple days a week out there. Uh, I didn't have a mountain bike until uh, we got funding for this race just because I just couldn't afford it at the time. So I wasn't doing any riding, nor was Steven. He didn't have a mountain bike either. So two of us, actually Jen for that matter too, three of us didn't do any mountain biking leading up to this. Um, and Justin, of course, was on the opposite end of the spectrum where he's just a killer mountain biker. So we eventually got bikes and we all started riding and we were all probably getting out there twice a week mountain biking. Um, we all were spread out. So no one was really training together. We would get together like once a month because you had to get some certifications like um, Swiftwater Rescue certified. So to get on the course, you have to have certain uh, certifications, whether uh, two people have to be um, to have kind of wilderness first aid uh, certifications. You have to have a couple of people that have orienteering certifications, swift water rescue certifications. Um, what else is in there? Climbing certifications, which was another one because um, that one for me was kind of the, my biggest fear. Uh, I'm not much into tying up to a rope and going down big cliffs. So that was kind of a, where my biggest challenge was. So yeah, and that, be, that becomes key because we're going to talk a little bit, little bit later about, uh, is it uh, Vua Falls? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, was pretty, that was pretty scary looking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll come back to that. Yeah. Um, so any, yeah, so any inclination on your part as you are now aware that you need these certifications, wilderness first aid, orienteering, swift water rescue, climbing, this sounds dangerous. Yeah, I mean, it was there's plenty of chances to hurt yourself. I mean, if you, anything can happen when you're in the wilderness, whether you're at the eco challenge or whether you're just hiking in your own backyard. I mean, anything can happen. Um, I feel that Amazon did a really good job, especially in my biggest concern, which is the rope courses. They did a really good job just kind of having eyes on you to make sure like you weren't doing something totally crazy to hurt yourself. And so for me, that was nice. I'm sure on some of the other adventure races, you don't get all that eye attention. Like, did you do the right hookup and things like that? And so just for my own personal um, peace of mind, it was really nice just having that support there. Even though they don't do anything, you just know that they're watching. And so that was good. But um, yeah, it was, uh, that was my biggest concern heading into it all. But everything else, like the mountain biking, the paddling, uh, even the sailing, which never came to be, was uh, another thing that we were as a team concerned about because other teams knew how to sail. And that was one of the disciplines you were supposed to know. And none of us 
knew how to sail really. And so that mm-hmm. was one where we were also like, oh boy, this could be interesting. And they, it's, it was a Kamakau is what the boat's called. And uh, everyone just shows up. Most teams are all on the same boat where you don't, you, you don't have the experience on it. And so everyone gets to Fiji like a week earlier, you know, five days early, and they're all trying to find Kamakau teachers. And that became hard because there was like one or two places nearby that could teach it and they were just getting bombarded by all the teams trying to get that extra little edge and so we didn't get that extra edge (laughs) but everyone gets the same training like the day before when you're doing your rope certifications because once you get there you have to prove you have all the skills right just because you have a little piece of paper that says something doesn't mean you can actually do it and so you have to then show them that you know how to you know tie off to the ropes and uh, then they give you the class on uh, the Kamakau which was super fun and interesting and unfortunate that we never got to use our newfound sailing skills because the wind just never came. And so we ended up paddling the whole thing. Right. And this is, this is no small race, not only in distance, but also in the number of participants. I mean, there were 66 teams of four actually racing, right? That's, that's a lot of people. And so you, the 66 teams descend upon Fiji a week in advance uh, are looking to get this extra training and and get, you know, their final certifications uh, demonstrated. Uh, And then it it comes to race day take us through that. What is, what is race day like when it's all? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I've never done anything even remotely close to this, so I don't know. But in this case, what it uh, entailed was everyone was at the same hotel, uh, actually minus us. We actually took all our families with us. So we had kids and stuff. And so we were all staying um, somewhere else. But race day meant showing up at the hotel, getting like a certain time, here's the address you have to get to. So you drive across to the other side of the island and you end up at a, a camp and they had like a big like opening ceremony, which was really awesome. They did traditional Fijian food and had some uh, great performances. And then everyone just camps in this big field. And then you wake up super early in the dark next morning and everyone gets their gear together. And there's the teams that know what they're doing. There's teams like us. We're like, what are they doing over there? Okay. So you kind of just like, kind of just watching what they're doing just to make sure we're not like totally off base. And then you um, take your gear. And in that case, we had our, uh, you know, our packs and our uh, PFDs and our paddles. So we kind of figure out real quick, we're paddling pretty quick. And so you hike to this big board, which you saw on the show where Bear unveils the course, cut up up to that point, we hadn't seen it. And you get it and from there, they walk you down to the boats. And earlier in the day, you drew a little number, um, one to 66. And that was where your order was. And we, we drew 63rd. So we were at the back. Oh, and uh, that was, everyone goes to their boats. And, you know, for us, personally, anything with water, I'm very comfortable in. So I was really stoked to start in the boats because I was like, you know, my comfort zone is being on the ocean. Um, so I felt that was a good starting spot for our team. And then it was, uh, you know, the countdown and everybody gets let go and then the chaos starts and it was fun. It was just like, for us, you know, we probably went out too hard, but whatever, we were excited like most teams. And, uh, by the time, you know, we got to the open ocean, we had paddled from 63rd to second spot. 
uh, just behind Team Bend. And we probably should have had a little tactic difference because we thought the wind would kick in. So we kind of paddled upwind a little bit to kind of tack up in and so we could get pushed down to where we needed to go. Well, the wind never came. So we yeah. just did some extra paddling. But uh, yeah, that was kind of it. And then from then on, it's just, that's it. You're off and running. And it was a long first paddle. Yeah. Uh, you know. And so t- tell me about Bear Grylls. What was, what was he like? Did you actually get to meet him? Oh, not really. I grabbed him real quick and took a photo, but uh, Bear seemed awesome. He was just super enthusiastic, and you see it in the show, too. He, uh, he's just, every time you saw him, he was just, like, running on high and just bringing tons of energy and just super positive, and he was great. He was really great. And uh, on that note, Mark Burnett was actually out on the course, too. So our, for one of our first checkpoints when we were super tired – he just walks up and he's like, Hey guys, how's it going? There's nobody else around. He's just like cruising through talking to teams. And he spent like 20 minutes talking to us and he was super nice and positive and just asking like, so tell me about this. Tell me about that. He's really into the sport itself. So that was kind of neat. And that was probably, you know, from a, a celebrity point, that was probably one of our most interesting interactions just because mm-hmm. he was so just up to what's going on in the race. Yeah. That was neat. You a big survivor fan. I've never seen it. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I yeah. Never I was gonna, it. I was gonna pump you up that uh, now that you've met Mark Burnett, uh, maybe you could get a, <laughs> a, a an appearance on Survivor out of this. Yeah, uh, we I, apparently Survivor shot on the island where the race ends, and so you saw a lot of like. Um, oh, that's see, interesting. Uh, you didn't see any of like the actual show or whoever's on it, but you did see a lot of production crews everywhere. Mm-hmm. And at first you're like, wait a sec, why are there so many people here? Cause it's just the finish and they didn't have like that much crew for the actual finish because everyone's just spread out across the whole Island. And so turns out they shoot survivor there. So that's, that's interesting. Yeah. A little something we didn't know there. Very good. So am I, am I to believe that when your team got to Fiji, is this the first extended period of time that you had spent all together as a team? Or had you done any training uh, together up to that point? Yeah. Well, we'd never, <laughs> we'd never camped out together. Um, we'd done so. No, we'd definitely done trainings. We got together like once a week. And I think actually did people come here at one point, I think we had everyone stay here because people were up in Sacramento, Auburn. Um, Steven was, where was Steven? He was just all over. And so we, when we had to get the Swiftwater rescue, we all went and stayed up um, at Jennifer's house up north. Mm-hmm. And then when we had to do the rope certifications, we came here. Okay. And so we were kind of just bouncing all over the place. Um, you know, and a lot of times it'd be like, Justin's like, I'm coming, let's do a ride this weekend. And uh, then you'd get a ride in together. And that was like <laughs> enough. And then you'd go do rides and then just call and kind of discuss like, Oh, you know, I did this, that, and the other. And Oh, how'd you feel? Oh, pretty good. And so you kind of, it was, obviously it would have been way better to get to train a lot and really like push each other, but you, you deal with what you got. And I think a lot of teams are, are like that because it's just, it's hard to find people that can like sacrifice big chunks of their life to go off and have a crazy adventure. So they don't yeah, always because, live together. <laughs> because you guys came from different areas and uh, you weren't all say friends before, but it was like, this person knew this person, this person knew this person. I thought maybe you had not had a chance to train together for any extended period of time. And so I thought that maybe 
um, you know, you, you're going to learn a lot about each other being with each other 24 seven for 12 days or nine days. And right. so I just want, I wonder if that was your first experience uh, with, with any of those people, but it sounds like you guys had, had, yeah, I mean, Steven has lived with me on and off before um, Justin and I, you know, we swam together for, for college in those years. So we knew uh, what each other could do training. Jen and I had never met her, but she was just a sweetheart and just freaking badass. She's so tough. And Jeff, Jeff just came and just spent a couple nights in my house just to get to know me. And so we were really working on the personal connections because we did understand like while we we're totally green in the actual race, we do get the importance of relationships, especially when you're depending on each other. And so we did do our best to really establish, okay, what's the best way to communicate with this person? Um, if I'm tired and angry, do I want to go screaming at this person or do I need to bring it kind of in a more gentle way so each person obviously likes to be communicated a little differently so we did work on that bit and we definitely had some heart-to-heart -heart moments and strategies like okay if i'm like this please talk to me like this and it definitely helped out on the course because yeah when you're really putting pressure on each other it can put some uh you know some hard feelings out there so having those tools and how to communicate with each other was really important for us. And I think we did a really good job out on the course with that. Yeah, that's very strategic. That's a great approach because if you talk to somebody in a way that they don't prefer to be talked to in a, in a crisis situation, people have a tendency to kind of shut down or uh, exactly. totally teamwork is going to be so important in this sport. That's right. That's right. So, okay. Yeah. So the first, first leg of the race, you actually cross open ocean and go to a different Island. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was amazing. Um, you're just paddling over the, you know, it's Fiji. Like it's like the, you know, the postcard waters where you're just like seeing all the blue water with the coral and you can see fish and it was killer. Like it was the best vacation. One of my best vacations ever. Cause you're just seeing so much, you cover so much, you paddle out to an Island, you go around another Island, hike an Island, then get back in the boat and then you're a little more tired and it's not as cool. You're like, I'm ready to be off this boat. But um, yeah, you we saw some amazing islands and it was beautiful. So, And how were the yeah. Fijian people? <laughs> I've done quite a bit of traveling and I've never been to a culture like theirs. They're just the most hospitable, nicest. They want nothing. They just want to shower you with love and just be like just friendly and you just you party is like wait what, what do they want but they don't want anything they just that's their culture and they really like if they tell you a price they're not trying to like rip you off that's the price they're, and if you try and haggle with them they're like hey man this is just the price if you don't want it, it's fine and it's it's just it was really nice like I, I can't tell you how and i'm sure pretty much every competitor who was there would say the same thing they are just incredible and on a side perspective that had nothing to do with race. We went there with young kids. My, my son was under a year and my daughter was five. And everywhere we went, the Fijians would just grab our kids, walk away and just take care of them and give us like 15 minutes at dinner. They would take them for like 45 minutes. And they just would walk them around, show them the whole restaurant and give you time to eat. And they just loved it. And when you're on the plane there, it's the same thing. You got Fijian crew who just take like, when, I don't know if you've ever flown with a baby, but it's like the most stressful thing ever. And so they would just take your kid, go for a walk and give you like time to eat your food or, you know, just 
it was incredible. Like they are just the most pro friendly kid place I have ever been. <laughs> yeah, they so. seem they seem very hospitable, very friendly, uh, very excited. Whenever they saw the the racers come through, it was it was pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd get out in these small villages where that you couldn't see anyone, and you would just hear from somewhere, "Bula!" And you're just looking around like, "Where are you?" And eventually, they would just keep hollering. You finally, they're on that peak way out there, and they're just fired up. And before we got there, the race, um, you know, their, their communications team was like, yeah, Bula, Bula, Bula. It's like the, the thing. And you don't really realize it until you're there. And it's like serious. The Bula is real. And people are just meant it. And they meant it with all their heart. And it was just really, it was great. Like just a beautiful experience with really beautiful people. Fantastic. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to get down to some more nitty gritty from the, the race itself. Stay tuned for that. Be right back. This is Brett Gravlin from Team Curl. You're listening to the John Freakin' Mir Pod. Okay, and we are back with Brett Gravelin talking about the Eco Challenge Fiji. Before we get back to the race, Brett, I understand you took a recent trip out to Catalina with one of your kids? Oh, don't talk about it. God, we canceled it because the air quality was supposed to be like 280 or something. Because oh, everything no. was the Santa Ana's down there is blowing out to the islands. And so we didn't, we didn't make it, but we're probably hopefully going to go in a couple weeks. Oh, where, where were you going to stay in Catalina? Uh, we were going to stay at Two Harbors, uh, hike up, I think, two or three miles to a campground that I am unfamiliar with. I haven't been there since I was like probably seven or eight, but uh, my best friend lives down there and not in Catalina, but down in Southern California. And he was kind of just aligning it up and, or lining it up. And I was just going along for the ride. <laughs> uh, that's a bummer that it fell through. It, it's it's gorgeous out there. Yeah. It, well, we're not done. We're going to do it. It, it was, uh, He's a doctor, so his schedule's a little bit more uh, hard to arrange, but we're supposed to do it in the next couple of weeks or so. Okay, very good. All right, back out onto the course. When did you realize that, uh, hey, this is, this is pretty serious. This is, this is, I'm in the thick of it right now. For me, that was day one. Um, if you've seen the show, you'll see Dan uh, with the, you know, the heat exhaustion um, just dying. And right about the same place, I was having the same issue, but not nearly as bad as him. And you, we were hiking. We'd just gotten off paddling, and we were starting a, a loop around the island. And my team started running. I was like, guys, I can't run. <laughs> Let's walk. This is a long race. And so they're like, okay, okay. So we start walking. And to be honest, my weakest point in life is probably walking. I'm probably like the slowest walker. I can run pretty. I'm a pretty solid runner, but walking, I'm terrible. And so we're walking and then we get to this point where we start going up the volcano and it's just trees. You're just surrounded in the jungle trees and it's stifling hot in there. There's no air. And, you know, I have a 35 pound pack and I'm dying. And I'm just like, oh my God, this, did I make the bad decision here? Am I not, is this not for me? And so that was when my, come to Jesus moment was where I was like, Oh man, I'm not, I'm, I can't do this. And that's luckily where you have a team. Cause my team just came and was like, you got this, give me your pack. And so Steven took the pack 
Stephen's very strong. It's an extra 35 pounds. So he was carrying 70. Wow. And the other two just sat there and said, all right, here's what's going to happen. You're going to pace us. We're going to get behind you. You do whatever you take. We have, and they took all the pressure off me. It's like, just do what you can. We're here with you. And that was a huge moment for me uh, for a couple of reasons. One, um, I knew my team supported me. And with support, you can do so much that you didn't think you can do. Like you just need that encouragement and that belief in you because it might not be in yourself. And so they, they totally encouraged me and we went slow and we passed Dan actually right there. And he was dying too. And we gave each other the look like, uh, and we kept going. And eventually we got to the top and in the show, you'll see at the very top, it was like jungle, 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 but there's one little spot that has nothing. It's totally like barren. And there was a breeze and up there, that breeze just, it just reignited me. And um, that was kind of my moment where I was questioning everything. And we got there and they were pumped. We hit a checkpoint up there. Steven's like, dude, you got this. I took my bag and it was all downhill to the boat. And from then on, for like the next day, you start, you know, your confidence is, you question your own confidence. Like you think you're in shape enough or you're a good enough athlete to be doing this. And all of a sudden that confidence is gone. And that self doubt can really wear you down. And Luckily, I had a great team who supported me and just brought me back up. And every day, it was like, you start the day being like, you got this, like just encouraging your teammates, which they did to me. And by like day three, I'd forgotten all about it because that's another thing of being just in sports in general. You can't think about what happened. You got to think about what you're going to do because you fail a lot in sports. And, you know, not that that was a failure. It was just a, a time where I needed my friend's help. And yeah. they were there and it just, yeah. Yeah. What I, what I have found out talking to people and, and doing some of this myself, not adventure racing, but running is that endurance sports are so much a mental game. I mean, and if, and if you start to question your ability, uh, that is, that's more than half the battle right there. That's, that's a tough spot to be in. Right. No, it was, it was rough. And by the, yeah, by the third day I would, I had totally like, okay, like I built myself back up. And I felt as the race went on, I started getting stronger because you start to realize, okay, what this race is about, where you need to use your energy, where you don't need to use your energy, how you need to rest. And, you know, I'm sure those really experienced teams, they, they've mastered that to a science and what happens if you have like a, an issue like Dan. I mean, they, we passed them and got well ahead of them and then they ended up just kicking our butt. I mean, they're an experienced team who like had a little, you know, bump but then they got over it and realized okay we can still do this and they just yeah. still did really well and so yeah, yeah when you guys <laughs> it's a good way to learn you, yeah when you <laughs> when you guys passed dan dan did not look like he was doing well at all i mean he was, no, he was a big guy and the heat and humidity what was the heat and humidity at that time hot <laughs> hot and <laughs> unable to breathe um uh, you know it's funny we we flew over on the plane with them and uh they were the only other uh, team on the plane and we started talking and we hung out with them at the uh, airport because we had a layover in San Francisco or they had a layover we just left from San Francisco and so we were chatting with them and then you see them out on the course and you're like oh hey guys what's up kind of excited to see people you know 
and uh, we thought, oh man, they're not gonna, this doesn't look good. Like he's like dying because <laughs> he was dying. And uh, for the, you know, it was just great to see them bounce back and do as well as they did. And I can't even imagine had they been healthy the entire time, what they could have done, so. Yeah. The, the great thing about the series on Amazon is it's not just a, a show about, you know, 66 teams racing and just chronicling, you know, their, their adventures on the, the trail. It's also, there are so many individual stories out there, so many different storylines, um, you know, from, uh, you know, stray dogs, you know, coming back to it after, you know, so many years and uh, just trying to, trying to finish to uh, one of the former team members of Stray Dogs. I'm drawing a blank right now, but he has... Uh, oh, has, the Macy's. Yeah, the Macy's. That's right, the Macy's. The, the older Macy has Alzheimer's, and he's racing with his son uh, and a couple of other guys, a couple other people uh, trying to finish the race. That was so inspiring. And you've got the uh, team Kakura with the twin girls from India and, yeah. and just so many different storylines out there. Did... did it gets it gets down it gets to behind the scenes of why people are motivated to to do this and to embrace the suck and know this is going to be painful but yet they're out there and they're doing it anyway and they're leaving it all on the course uh, what were the storylines for team curl our storylines yeah um oh wow well it's it's tough to follow you just name like some really inspiring people and you know when i watched the eco challenge like you know, we, we knew these people were on the course, but we didn't really get to know them and really see their story like, like we got to see with the show. Right. And so for us, watching the show was learning just as much as probably anyone else out there. We were like, holy shit, these guys are amazing mm -hmm. and just so nice. And like you meet people that, you know, there's 300 athletes there. And so you're meeting all kinds of people and you can't really go into like stories. And we also weren't staying at the hotel, so we didn't get to bond as well as we probably should have, but family obligations... <laughs> Uh, took precedent but um, yeah for team curl we were just trying to inspire curly haired folk but you know we we wanted to get out and have an adventure and it's hard to follow acts like that we were just lucky enough that they I think appreciated our lightheartedness in life and not taking ourselves too seriously and also wanting to challenge ourselves because yeah we've been successful athletes in different arenas but that will that translate over here mm -hmm. and so i think it was we we just did it in our own personal realm of how we do things and amazon seemed to think that was a decent enough story and we got lucky but it, i don't pretend to even be on those guys's level because they they have hard circumstances in life they have achieved really hard things like i can't even imagine climbing those summits and, you know, there's just, there was some really good stories and there's a ton of good stories that didn't even make the show. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's just, they got 300 amazing people and you put them all in one place and everyone has a cool story. So yeah. we didn't think we would even be on the show. We didn't really care. We were just stoked that we got to have that adventure and that like everyone came back healthy and alive. <laughs> right. And so when we actually saw ourselves on there, we're like, Oh my gosh, they actually put us on there. Cause you do have those really amazing stories. Then you have us. who's like almost like the comedy relief. <laughs> like there's this, this, this. And then there's like, uh, here's the, the stoner from Santa Cruz who raises children. You're like, Steven, come on, man. Couldn't you come up with anything better than that? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it was, 
but we did it our own way and we were i think we have our own story it's not as intense we just like to get out and really experience things not just the race um from a personal team aspect we realized immediately like we're not going to be in the top three and the top three was the money and outside of that what's wrong with finishing 66 as long as you finish and so that became our kind of our strategy like you know what there is so much out here to experience yeah the race is it's good and but we're not we're not that level yet so for us it was more important to really get out and experience it to see what Fiji's about, to watch other teams and really see how they do things like transitioning, how they bike, how they just learn because that was our first race and we were totally just, we don't know what we're doing yet. And so it was really a good experience to learn and challenge ourselves and just kind of take it by day by day. Yeah, they, the show did spend a little bit of time with Steven's story and, the, you know, the loss of his father and his, you know, transition from, you know, professional athlete to kind of the regular, regular world and what he was grappling with there. Um, so, there, there, I'm, I, you know, Steven had a storyline. Everybody has a storyline. Everybody has, uh, you know, how, how they ended up there. Um, Brett, are, are you married? Yeah, I'm married. Two kids. Just kind of yeah. like the normal desk job, nine to five. <laughs> And so you tell your wife, you come home, you tell your wife, hey, you know what? We're going to do this eco challenge thing in Fiji <laughs> and it's going to require a, a lot of training time and, you know, it, it lasts, you know, you know, 12 days or so. Uh, what was her <laughs> response? I have, to, I have to imagine what her response is. Oh my God. So it's not just 12 days, right? Because you got to do all the trainings leading up to it. You got to like be ready. And then of course you got to go there and bless her soul she stayed with the kids by herself and just it was you know it's hard a kid under one and a kid who's five like that's hard uh so when when we first were when i first told her like hey i think i'm gonna apply for this she's like what is it i'm like well let me tell you <laughs> she was like no absolutely not. Like, no no it's gonna be awesome you're gonna be a fiji it'll be awesome and she's like no it's gonna suck and i'm like no 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 it's gonna be fun and so she was like all right, well, apply and see what happens. And so we apply and she was like, oh, I hope you don't get it. And that's <laughs> not very supportive. And that's probably why we got it because she was hoping so hard that we didn't get it. <laughs> and so when we got it, it was, uh, it was super exciting. But then there was also, you know, training for something like that and just being involved, it's, you do have to make sacrifices. And in that case, it would be time, um, right? Going yep. away for a weekend to get certified in whitewater rafting. It's, it's time, which means you're away from your family, you're away from, she needs a break too. And so it was um, kind of a double-edged sword. <laughs> you know, you're gonna have this great adventure, but then you also know that uh, you're gonna ask your significant other to really pick up some of the slack and you know I love my wife I think she she's a saint and she gave me that opportunity and um you know hopefully I can do it again yeah so, adventures yeah. adventures like was, these don't take place without sacrifice sacrifice on your part sacrifice on the, the part of your loved ones it's not just you embracing the suck there's a whole lot of uh, embracing the suck out there that's right yeah it was it was it was a hard, a hard time for her because she's in Fiji, you know, doesn't know 
much there. Anyways, yeah, she she it was a hard, sucky time for her there some of the time too. <laughs> but you know, uh, on that note, we we learned, and I think as a family we've become better at communicating. Like, okay, so we applied for the next one, and she's like, okay, let's now we kind of know what this looks like. What does this mean for us? Like, how are we going to do this? And so we're communicating better like okay i'm gonna have to go away for this weekend okay we're gonna have to get childcare, and just kind of really planning it out okay this time we're not taking the whole family down there if we you know if by some amazing chance we get into the next one but even if we don't get to the next one we're probably we really liked it as a team and we want to do other races that aren't even just the eco yeah eco is just it was the one that i knew about i've i didn't even know adventure racing existed i was just so locked in my volleyball world my surfing world and and there's this whole amazing world of adventure racing which just opened up. So uh, our communication is getting better because I want to go do more adventures, whether it be eco, another one. But yeah, I, it was an amazing adventure and I want to do it again. Yeah, and that's a great selling point. You can tell her, look, honey, I, I'm, I'm going to be away. You're going to have to I'm gonna grant to split time a little bit. I'm gonna, it, but I'm going to be learning a lot of communication skills, which are yeah. going to help in this relationship. Exactly. This is going to like ensure that we're together for a really long time she'll be like i don't know if that's necessarily what i want <laughs> so nice uh but yeah it's it's uh i mean it's it's serious sacrifice and communication goes a long way and you know hats off to those those athletes who've been able to make it happen for years and years and years because um it, it is a lot of sacrifice on both sides so mm-hmm. okay so i'm going to tell our listeners right now this is we got some spoiler alerts coming if you have not watched uh, the world's toughest race on Amazon Prime, and you're listening to this episode, go ahead and hit pause, go watch the 10 episodes, and then come back and, and rejoin this episode here. Because we're going to be talking about some details that you might not necessarily want to hear before watching the, the show. So, uh, Brett, I'm going to mention a few of uh, the different events or different um, segments of the race. I want to get your impressions on them. So, I already oh, referenced uh, Vua Falls. Uh, huh? Am I saying that correctly? Is it VUA? Yeah, it's, I think so. It's V-U-W-A, so VUA yeah. Falls. Yeah. My wife's so, Polish, so on my brain, I think VUVA, because the W, but anyways, yeah, I yeah. think it's VUA. Okay. <laughs> so go ahead go ahead and describe that segment to our, our listeners and, and just take us through, you know, how you accomplished that and what you were thinking. Yeah. So that was an interesting point in the race, because to get to those things, you have to go up like the most slippery rock just river valley it, it was like you had to have three points of contact at all times and every single one of our teammates just eventually just yard sailed on your back and luckily you have packs and we were wearing our helmets because we realized like <laughs> you can slip and crack your head here no problem so you, you spend hours just getting there and we did it in the daylight luckily and all of a sudden you come to this waterfall and you see the ropes and it's impressive it's just this beautiful cascading waterfall and just you see the ropes course going up and it's you know as i mentioned earlier climbing's my weakest most scary thing out there and you see it and your heart just starts pumping i'm sure for those people who've done you know whatever climbing and have the experience they're like oh whatever we're gonna go up this waterfall i was like oh wow that's for real (laughs) and so yeah you get there and it's this beautiful waterfall you hook up and you start going and all of a sudden you realize i'm I'm not going to fall off the rope. I think I'm all right. And you start enjoying it. And you just keep going. It takes hours to get up. And eventually you get to the top. 
and you just have this view that's just it's stunning it's just you can't see any sign of life it's just a it's like jurassic park and it was just beautiful and um the japanese team unfortunately what they're ending the way it went but they had that view of him making that phone call on the rock and i'm pretty sure every person who got to the top must have stopped at that point and just taken a mental picture and been like damn yeah th this was why i came here because it is that like that is why you go there to see that and to experience that and for me it overcame a fear too so it was like a two for one like i, I did the thing i was most scared about and now i'm right here and i get to enjoy it so it's just like this beautiful moment in time and uh i was really happy because they they released a bunch of pictures of like the race and you know it's just no order, no whatever. So you're just scrolling through looking at pictures. And all of a sudden they had a picture of me climbing up overlooking the valley. So the, I just kind of have like a little personal trophy for myself where I was like, there it is. That's me. I did that. Yes. <laughs> so it was kind of fun. That's epic. That's epic. And we, we, we say waterfall. We really didn't describe it too well for our, our listeners out there. If you haven't seen the show, I believe the, the narrator said this is a thousand foot high waterfall. And so this is not some, some you know, 20 minute uh, experience uh -oh. going up this waterfall. How long were you up there? Uh, again, I didn't have a watch, but uh, hours, definitely, I don't know, three, four hours. I don't know. Um, only two people have watches and mm -hmm. I didn't have one. So time was irrelevant for me. Yeah. You would always ask a Fijian like, oh, how long is this going to take? And they'll be like, oh, 20 minutes, hour. It was never, <laughs> it was just like forever. And so I, I didn't even keep track of time, but I'll tell you what, I enjoyed it. Once I realized I wasn't going to fall off, it didn't mm -hmm. matter. I could have done that a long time because, yeah, this gets tiring, but it's just, it was fun and beautiful and really neat. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that, that shot up at the top was epic. It, it looked primordial. It was, it was just incredible. Jurassic Park is like people mm -hmm. don't exist and that's what nature looks like. And, yeah. you know, it's hard to get out and really see nature without some sort of human presence so yep and i think it was after vua falls you then had a river swim for a number of hours yeah so we did vua falls and we got to the top and then we took a little break had food maybe for like 20 minutes uh dried our feet out because that's what you're always doing out in the jungle there is just trying to get your feet as dry as you can get them and we looked at the map and we didn't really well maybe Justin did. He was our navigator guy. He didn't really say, hey, we're going to be swimming for a while. He was like, yeah, we just got to probably jump in this and then we'll get out over there because that's what you were doing. You would jump in and you'd be swimming for a while. And then you could get on land for like five feet sometimes, but in, you know, in the beginning and, or even a little bit longer. And you would think, okay, at some point we're going to find a trail on the sides. And so you get into these pools and you're just going from pool to pool to pool. And then you realize there's no out. You're just in it. And we did it in the middle of the night. And it took us, I think, like four to five hours. And we passed, I don't know, four or five teams at that particular section. Uh, people were just freezing because, you know, it was the middle of the night. That water was cold. Um, the race told, told you to like, oh, you might want to think about bringing like some one millimeter, you know, wetsuit things. I didn't bring a wetsuit. I did it in a merino wool shirt with my Patagonia jacket and shorts. And um, in all honesty, I think just 
having spent a lot of time freezing in the ocean helped me because it it was terrible and when i got out i was definitely freezing but i wasn't nearly as bad as some of the people we passed like we passed some people that we thought were like needing assistance but they didn't they actually got out and made it and that was you know just shows you how tough people are because if i was at that point i don't know i might have been like oh i need a break yeah people people were wrecked after that segment in the river for yeah they're in there six eight hours and uh were borderline hypothermic i mean they one oh, guy sure. one guy looked like he was really in trouble and needed serious attention in the medical tent right and uh yeah and we've we passed one team that was like one pool away so like probably five minutes from being totally out and they had just pitched their tent because their teammate had gotten too cold and they just said no we're going to be safe we're right here and it was like right there so when we passed them you're like damn do they know something we don't know are we going to be in here for a long time we need to warm up before we can try and get out and again that's one of those times where you're just like i'm so happy i'm with the team because you see your team just head down because you have these walls on both sides there's no way out the only way to go is forward and so you see your team you're just kind of in a line and you're kind of like a water you're like a hippo because you, you can't swim you can't really touch the bottom but sometimes you can so you're just sitting there breaststroking and you know we're swimmers we we're actually really good swimmers but we couldn't swim and your feet are just straight down below you and you're just like kind of looking for something to step on but a lot of times you can't and so you're just moving really slow and you know, eventually we got out and we didn't even know that that warming tent was there. What we did know is we had some dry clothes waiting because we had a, a dry bag there. And then we saw the warming tent with hot chocolate and tea and food. And it was just like, oh, what? So excited. <laughs> and then they had like this gas torch that, you know, it didn't put off too much heat, but it was enough. And there were mm -hmm. two other teams in there already. And everyone's just taking off their clothes because they're soaked and just sitting there like around and, that was uh that was that was definitely the crux of the probably the entire thing and you know it was we were happy that was over <laughs> yeah i have a feeling that uh, when you're involved in something like that and you're going through these extremes there's really not a whole lot of shame uh when you, when you need to get your clothes off get your wet clothes off you're just getting your wet clothes off right you don't there's not uh, a whole lot of I mean, modesty going on or no, concern really. what others are going to think that's kind of the whole course. Like you just do what you have to do to yeah. get yourself comfortable, to get yourself safe, to get yourself warm. Like you, you don't even think twice what that team's doing. It's like, totally you do. Yeah. Because you're just trying to take care of yourself and keep your body as healthy as it can be. Cause that's your biggest liability is something on your body. Just, you know, hypothermia or, you know, foot rot or whatever. That's what you have to just do to make sure you can keep going on. So you have you never think about what another team's doing because they know best about what they need to do for themselves. And that's right. That's you just, mentioned you mentioned foot rot. There was that team uh, that uh, developed trench foot. A couple of them developed trench foot because their feet were wet for so long. Yeah, the and Japanese just started, team. Yeah, that's right. The Japanese team started started sloughing off skin off of their feet, and it was so painful. Oh, it looked miserable. Yeah, and I would bet that most teams feet didn't get it that bad but everyone had some sort of like mangled blister stuff yeah. at one point of the race my feet were so bad i walked i did like a probably a 20k in sandals i was just like i'm over it i'm wearing sandals i'm not putting on these shoes and i wore my beat up rainbow sandals and it was a great break i, I needed it and yeah 
I've got a couple of more segments I want to ask you about, but I want to go back for just a second and, and pick up on something you had said earlier. So there's 66 teams there and they start filming. And of course they can't, they can't tell what the storylines are going to be uh, until you know, the race has been finished. Right. And they, they look at the footage that they've got. So right. really there's no guarantee that team curl was going to, was going to make it onto any episode. You could have been on the cutting room floor for all, all you knew. Did you, did you not, did anybody call you and say, Hey, Brett, uh, this is so-and-so from uh, Amazon prime and you're featured significantly. Your t- you know, team curl is featured significantly in several episodes. Uh, make sure you tune in or is it just a, Hey, I'm going to, we have to tune in and watch and see if we're there or not. Yeah. So they did release something saying these are the featured teams and we weren't one of them. And so we didn't expect to even be on there. But again, we didn't really care because we had our adventure. We got what we went for. And then you start watching it. And before I'd seen anything, my friend sent me a meme of myself crying. Uh, (laughs) And I was just like, oh, they put it in there. Of course they did. And, you know, I, you know, that's an emotional thing. Fully emotional. So that's how I knew I was on there because my friend had sent me a meme of myself crying. It was like the Michael Jordan crying. If you've ever seen that meme. Yes. Yes. It was like the equivalent. And so I was like, Oh man. So I must've made it on there. And that was when we knew, cause I hadn't started watching it yet because you know, the wife and I wanted to sit down, not have the kids around. Actually, my daughter really wanted to watch it. So she sat and watched it with us, but um, we weren't featured until later on. And mm-hmm. so the first two episodes, we didn't see anything. We're like, Oh, like at one point we saw us like walking somewhere. We're like, hey, we're on there, yay! And just kind of excited. And, um, you know, it was all bonus. And there were so many, like you said, there's just so many cool stories and they didn't know what was going to be interesting mm-hmm. because everyone's interesting. Everyone has a really cool story and everyone deserves to be on there, but um, they yeah. only have so much space. Brett, I'm sorry to say that, you know, the John Freaking Mirpod has an Instagram account and a Twitter account, and we do promotions uh, prior to each episode. Uh, and so I'm going to have to find that, that Brett Gravelin crying meme and post Google that my name. You can media. find it. <laughs> I totally thought my buddy did. I was like, dude, what a jerk. And he, he didn't do it. It was like, but somebody went through the whole show and there's just memes for everyone, like on the show that, that was actually on the, that was on the actual show. There's memes for all kinds of stuff. And so I just, I'm not the only crying meme. There's some other ones, but. (laughs) Uh, All right. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. One more quick break. And we're going to come back. We're going to pin down uh, Brett on a couple more segments uh, during the race. Maybe ask him what, what the, his top three toughest segments were. And um, we'll get to the, the, the unbelievable outcome for team curl on Eco Challenge Fiji. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Jeff Hester from SoCalHiker.net. And when I'm not out backpacking in the mountains or hiking, day hiking out in the Cascades, I'm listening to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Okay, welcome back. So back to the trail, Brett. Um, you know, when we're on the John Muir Trail or the Pacific Crest Trail, Appalachian Trail, you know, they're, they're very well marked. There's signage. Uh, there's really very few points in a, a long distance hike like that where you're thinking, am, am I on the trail or am I not on the trail? 
Was it similar out there on Fiji during the Eco Challenge? Was there a clearly defined trail? <laughs> there, there was no trail. I mean, there was points where you're like, okay, it makes sense to take this road because that's going to be the easiest way to go. And there was a couple of points where they had, like, for the bike parts, they wanted you to go a certain way. And outside of that, there wasn't, like, a trail. It was more just, like, you look at the map, you figure out what the best way is. And most everyone, well, everyone had a, you know, a, a navigator who could look at those maps and be like, well, if there's a road there versus going up this really steep thing, let's take the road, right? And so there was ways that made sense, but there was also no trail that you're like, like, uh, we're just going to follow this. It's, it's like, no, we got to figure out the best way to get from point A to B. And we weren't one of the front runners. So when we got to some hard spots, um, our, you know, our navigator would be sitting there with the map, triangulating where we are and being like, hey, we're going to do X, Y, Z. And, you know, a couple other of us would be out kind of looking for tracks because we'll just check and see which way another team went. And then we can double check with the map because, you know, we're not the first. We were running, you know, 30 something or 20 something. So there's a lot of teams that have gone before us. And, you know, those teams are probably quite experienced to be way ahead. So, and I also know there's, there's definitely liabilities of taking the wrong trail, but you can kind of just get an idea of possibly which way to go. So yeah, right. it was and, no was there, and was there any penalty for, for taking uh, a road instead of a trail? I mean, I, it, there didn't seem to be on the, on the show because people were exercising different options and decision-making and saying, well, let's go this way and not this way. And did that, that seemed to be just fine according to the, the race coordinators. Yeah, no, the, no, you could, however you needed to get there. Um, like if you went near a village or you had to cut through someone's property that maybe they're growing crops. Um, actually, in those cases, they would try and keep you out. So if there was like someone growing crops, they would kind of sometimes flag it, like go around this bit. And so if you found those flags, you knew you were on to something. Okay, I'm probably going the right way because they flagged it, meaning like don't ruin this guy's crops. Mm -hmm. So um but yeah, they, there was no penalties for taking a road. Um, we did get assessed a penalty, but not for taking the road. <laughs> so are you, are you referring to the shortcut that you guys took? You guys made a con – Team Curl made a, a conscious decision to say – they said, you know, the trail goes this way, but just looking at the map, if we go this direction, we can shave some time off. And shave yeah, some so distance that... <laughs> off. So let's talk about that. Yeah, that, that's interesting. I mean, it's all a matter of interpretation. That was the first time we'd had an embedded film person with us. And we got to a point where we had to go down. There was a big river valley, and we had to get down and up it. And looking at the map, we, there's no trail. Again, there's no trail marked. So we're looking at the map trying to think, okay, how do we get up there? Well, over here is really steep, and that was where the trail went. But we didn't know that there's a trail. So we were looking over here thinking that's not as steep and we think probably the safest. So if we can get down this gradual grade, because we didn't want to backtrack. So, you know, if we went to somewhere it was too steep, we didn't want to have to go back. So we're like, let's just take the longer way, which we thought was longer because we thought going that way made most sense as far as just going straight. Mm -hmm. But we figured we'll go down to the right because it's not as steep, get in the river and then go, 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 then go up. And so... We got down there, it was totally not steep, really beautiful walk, ended up in this killer valley and we had the film crew with us or, you know, this freaking rock star of a, a filmer. 
And we ended up getting to where we had to go up something really steep. And then we're up there and we realized that other teams, we can see the other teams, they're going on what was known as the trail and they're shouting down at us like, hey, how do we get there? And <laughs> so we, uh, we eventually just went up where we saw like a goat trail and you know, I was running out and ahead being like, okay, I think we go this way and then running back and be like, come on guys, let's go this way. And then we'd run back up again. Okay. And then eventually we just ended up um, kind of scurrying up some rocks. And that's also when you see us going over like a little rock thing. And I have a little fear of heights and like, you can't really tell, but if you fell, you're going to go down a couple hundred feet. And um, so that's kind of that bit. And that was where they were like, oh, Team Curl's taking a shortcut. <laughs> But for us, it made sense at the beginning because it was the safest way. But then at the end, we're like, I see why they probably thought it was a shortcut because that was not probably the easiest way to get up. Um, especially because we had a bushwhack from there on. And once the race is, was all said and done, all, all the, you know, the crew and stuff, they had, they knew where we were or they, they had technology. So they knew exactly where. Mm -hmm. And um, they let us know like, yeah, you didn't take the, path most take you know that was not the most taken path there but what you did actually find was the backup path in case that river valley had flooded like that was probably where they would have envisioned teams going so okay and how much longer did it take you how many hours do you think you lost by taking that uh i don't think we lost any because we passed like three teams oh okay oh it did work out it did sure. like if I'm... you look at like the um maybe not three maybe two if you look at the the placing, I think we went from like 33rd to like, I don't know, some, we, we went, okay. we got better. So I, I, we for were some definitely. Reason, for some reason, they, I don't think they played that up in, in the episode. I think, I think they made it look like you guys were trying to take a shortcut and end up costing you hours and hours and hours. Well, what ended up happening is we did go down and up and then we kept walking. And probably the, my favorite moment of the race they actually had on the show for a favorite moment for us so we came upon this mountain range and the sun was setting and we just stopped laid down threw our gear everywhere got some food out and watched it and that was when uh i think race organizers realized we were doing things a little differently because we didn't she's like well you guys can keep going because you know moving at night is way harder than moving when you can still see and we were like, no, nah, I think we're just going to sit here and enjoy this. And she got some amazing footage and then it got put in the show. And for us, that was like, again, one of those moments where you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get to her. I mean, I'll, I have it up here for the rest of my life, but in case I ever like forget things, I'll have an actual footage to look at. Right. And so that was really cool. And um, so maybe we lost some time there. We probably laid down or just sat and watched it for I don't know, an hour. And then we did the rest of the hike in the dark, which, you know, no big deal. Yep. So <laughs> let's, let's, uh, let's go to the big spoiler. And that is how it all ended up for team curl. Uh, you guys, yeah. you said that you were on the, the trail for nine days or so. And we know that you had, I think 12 days to finish the race. And as we're watching, uh, you are well within striking distance. You I mean you you guys are going to finish well within the time limit, and then misfortune happens. There's no other way to put it. I mean, it's just a a bad a bad bad break. Take us through what yeah. happened there. Yeah. So we got to the last major checkpoint. You get the map. You look at it. You're like, oh my gosh, these are all in our wheelhouse. 
great. We had mountain biking. We had a small trek. We had rappelling. We had um, stand-up paddling. And then f finally, an actual outrigger, because the other ones are Kamikaze, and the outriggers are definitely faster boats. And so we were really excited. Uh, we're good paddlers. We're pretty good bikers. And the trek was small, so my slow walking wasn't going to affect us too much. And, um, you know, one, one thing that the show didn't say was uh, we lost, one of my teammates lost his derailleur. And so his chain just kept going straight up the chain. And then we ended up just taking it off. And so we were pulling him up the hills and then going down the hills. And so the first part of the bike thing, we did that. It took hours. We get, go to the rappelling, the trekking, and then we get back on the bikes. And we're on the last bike section. We're getting to the top of the hills. And as a team, we said, let's have fun on these hills. Let's get a, let's attack them a little bit. This is like, we're, we're right there. We're at the end of the race. Let's enjoy this. And um, yeah, so we came to a really steep hill and uh, Justin was out front. Justin's a madman on his bike. So he was way out front. And then myself followed by steven and then jen and then we actually had an embedded filmer who was probably should be a pro mountain biker he was an incredible rider and he was behind us and i slowed down justin just took off and we're all trailing him i slowed down and steven went to pass me uh, but he didn't see why it slowed down and so he cut over to the other side it was basically like a fire road and he hit a rock or some loose gravel or something and he basically just flew over the bars so i look to my right and i see him basically supermanning over his bike and you were you right know, there next to him i was a foot and a half from him like i could wow. i was right there like i had i let go of my brakes because i didn't want him to like run into me and so it took me 100 yards to stop we were going really fast and I dropped my bike and I ran up to him and I was so scared. I was so worried that he was going to be really damaged or hurt or just, I, I, I didn't know. And so I sprinted up to him. Uh, at that point, Jen was already with him. The camera guy was there and he's awake and he's talking. Um, his lip was split. So you could, it was split in half, not right at the middle, but kind of to the one side. Mm -hmm. And so you could see like his teeth with his mouth closed. Um, he had, oh, what else he had? He was a little bleeding from the chest. He had torn a toenail or fingernail off, all cut in, you know, his hands because that's what he caught himself with. He hit his head as well, which they didn't make a big deal of, but uh, he definitely hit his head. So uh, again, concussion worries were there as well. And he has a history from his professional soccer days. So there was like extra concern. But thank God he was alive and talking and just angry, which was like, okay, Steven's normal. <laughs> that, <laughs> that's the competitive guy we know. And um, yeah, so it was, it was hard. Like, you know, we were, we were so close. And I fault myself probably more than anyone because earlier on in the biking, I had gone off the trail and I should have realized like, okay, we're so close. Why do we need to bomb these hills? Let's just take it easy. And I didn't say anything. And so, you know, that's one thing that I regret. Probably my only regret of the race is I wish the gravity of where we were 
and just being able to be like, you know what, let's just cruise. We got nothing to gain other than like our own joy, but we can go home and bomb hills all day long. We don't need to do it here, but you know, in the heat of the moment, you're just having fun. And so he crashed. Uh, they called a medical guy. They had another camera crew waiting for us to come out down there because right, right around the corner there, we wouldn't have been able to see the finish line because we could see the, the finishing island. And it was sunset. And they wanted to get the shot of us coming around the corner, seeing the finish line at sunset. And that was also luckily because on that film crew was a guy with some medical experience. So we got a doctor up there and checked him out. He had something hurting internally too. So they were concerned about an internal damage. Um, luckily he was okay. I mean, it was just, I mean, he was hurt, but he wasn't needing surgery or anything major. He got a couple stitches. I, his tooth was loose too. Um, still has it. So I think it, it went back to normal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was heartbreaking for sure. Mm, it, it, I mean, it looks scary. It looks scary on, on film. It was, uh, you guys were flying down those hills and I would, if I were you, I wouldn't beat yourself up too much about that because hindsight's always 2020. Oh, you can always do the Monday morning quarterbacking, but you know, you guys were, you guys were excited. You're going downhill. You're almost there. I mean, it, you know, it's just bad luck. It was, but it was kind of just a fitting ending to us. Like we went and did things our own way. We didn't have the experience of these veteran teams or people that had done it before. And so we, we learned. And that was just one of the many things that we'll take and hopefully go forward and get to do another race together with. And just kind of everyone's alive and well now. And, you know, <laughs> let's get to do another one. <laughs> yeah. So this happens in episode 10, the final episode of the, of the season. And so I'm going to make a prediction right here, Brett. I'm going to predict that, you know, that was a big storyline in in episode 10 and that heartbreaking almost there and didn't get to finish. You guys are going back. That's my prediction. And when you go back and you finish it this time, you have to come back on the pod and tell us about it. Yeah, (laughs) I hope so. I hope so. I mean, fingers crossed. There's some phenomenal teams applying. There's a, there's a group on Facebook. So a lot of people are posting like, Oh, this is what I'm applying with. So, you know, if we don't get accepted, I totally get it because there's some amazing people out there that deserve a chance. If we do, you know, that would be incredible. But even if we don't get an eco challenge, we'll go find another race and we'll redeem ourselves in other ways. So, yeah, you've got an unfinished story. I'm predicting it right now. Go ahead and tell your <laughs> wife to, to prepare herself. You guys are going back. So knock okay. on wood. <laughs> All right. Hey, I'm going to ask you, I'll give you a top three from you. Top three moments on the trail from Fiji. What, how would, what, what experiences would you put up there? And, uh, I'm really happy way or like in a good Lord, I am suffering way. Uh, you, you, well, let's, can, can, you, can you give me top three in each of those? Yeah, and, for sure. Okay. Let's uh, do it. Top three. I've already talked about two of them. Uh, just having teammates who just believe and support you. That was absolute top, 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 top working together and only focusing on one thing. You have one thing and that's just your next step. And that was really just that support and just having those people there was great. And just having them believe in me when I was not believing in myself was awesome for sure. That was so number one, okay. two, which was the one I told you was the, the sunset where we just got this incredible view that was just really beautiful. And it was just magical. And three, which was actually also in the show was when we got to the repelling waterfall, uh, we all jumped in together and went for a swim and 
up to that point, no other team had done that. They'd sent one person out, everyone else just kind of did their stuff and they all left. And so we were uh, the first team to do that. But later on, you see other teams did it because why wouldn't you? It was a freaking waterfall and it was nice. Right. So, uh, and you were the team member that went and got the medallion, correct? Yeah, we had a little, little race over to it. I hadn't gotten to get one yet, uh, so it was my turn. And uh, that was really... I. Yeah, that was just a really nice moment. And uh, the, the initial uh, camera woman who was with us was there and she was gonna leave us at that point. And she was like, for me, this is like the pinnacle of the race. Like this is for me where you guys are like, this is your real finish. Cause that was where she was leaving us. Little did she know that really was our real finish, unfortunately. <laughs> Cause like, you know, a few hours later is when the bike crash was. But yeah, those were definitely my three favorite moments. And it was just, they were all team related. I mean, it's, it's the human interactions out in nature that I really appreciate. I'm a social person. I know there's people that love to get out in nature by themselves. I'm not one of those. I like to share it with other people and just really bond and like struggle together just makes it that much more, you know, memorable and bonding and just needing each other. So, yeah. All right. Let's do the top three moments of embracing the suck. So the top three, uh, the bike carry. So we had this amazing bike start where we get to one of the, the um, checkpoints and you start and you're just going through these giant walls, like almost like Yosemite-esque. Uh, and you're just going through this valley and they didn't really show, they did show a couple of clips of it. And you're just like, this is the best. And all of a sudden you get into a little mud and you're like, oh, I'm having to work a little harder. And then it gets a little thicker and you're like, ah, oh, this isn't worth it. I'm going to start pushing it. And you start pushing it and then it starts getting caught in the wheels. So you're sitting there with sticks cleaning the wheels. And we ended up, I think we spent 12 hours or so on this. We went through the night and it was funny. We would, we were spread out. And so the front person would get a little bit ahead, sit down and with the pack on and just sitting there straight up and sleep for like 10, 15 minutes until the back person got there, would wake them up, be like, hey, wake up, it's time to go. You'd wake that person up, the back person would keep going until they're in the front and then they would get to set. So we just kind of had this rotation going through the night. And it literally, I think we, we started in the daylight and we finished in the daylight. So we were 12 hours-ish on that part, just doing that rotation. We didn't really sleep, except in like 10 minute intervals. You probably got like two of those or maybe three. And so that was pretty darn rough. And again, we were new. So we didn't think like, hey, let's just pick, let's not, let's get all the mud off the bikes. Let's just carry them. (laughs) We figured that out like at three in the morning. We're like, what if I just carry the damn thing? And that, that's, you know, the top teams got through that and it wasn't even muddy. They got to ride the whole thing. So they didn't get that experience. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was one. This, uh, another one was definitely the Billy Billy. And that was definitely the point in the race where we realized like, oh, wow, this isn't, this is mainly mental. And it, it would be like that in pretty much every discipline or every checkpoint. You would just get to the point where you really enjoy it. Then you've had enough. Then you give up hope. And then you're just like, whatever, slogging. And then you eventually finish and you repeat it just over and over and over on each section. So the mm-hmm. Billy Billy was kind of the, okay, not everything's going to be physical. And uh, oh, the third hardest part was uh, leaving the race, getting a ride home in the car. That 
sucked. And yeah. Brian, the bike course designer, picked us up. I don't know, it was late. And Justin went to the hospital with Steven and Jen and I got taken home to the hotel where the families were. And that just sucked. Like you don't want to go home that way. You want to finish on the beach. And they had arranged, all our families were going to be there at the finish line. And they had told us like, hey, what would it mean to like see your family at the finish line? And, you know, I got a little emotional there too, because you're just so focused on one thing. And all of a sudden you get a strong, like, I get to see my family tomorrow. It just, you start getting emotional and crying because you just, you miss them. And that was the longest I've been without seeing them. And just, it, it was just hard because instead of getting that, I got to wake them up in the middle of the night and be like, Hey, I'm okay. But we didn't, you know, and so it was, it was bittersweet. I mean, you get to see your family and everyone's, end of the day everyone made it home everyone's healthy so that's what matters most but you know you want to you want to go the other way <laughs> yeah yep great recap hey before we finish up here let me ask do you have a, a favorite team out there other than team curl what what, what uh, was the favorite team for you oh favorite team ar georgia ar georgia was that the father-son team yeah hunter yeah they are awesome so we kept you know you kind of end up crisscrossing teams that are kind of running about the same rate as you. Mm -hmm. And so we would crisscross a lot with them and they just had like such a positive attitude. And, you know, some teams you'd pass and they would just be so focused on, you know, themselves because that's what you need to do. And other teams would be super social. And they were one of them where we just, we ended up uh, doing that night bike thing with them. We ended up being in the pools with them. And I really like them. And I think Hunter's just going to absolutely kill it in whatever he decides to do. Cause he's just an athlete. And if he wants to do, you know, long distance running, I think he's going to do the Barclays coming up here soon. Oh, you're, you're on my favorite topic. I love talking about the Barclays. Oh, so you that should is definitely go find him. I, I'm pretty sure he got in for sure. I don't know when it's supposed to go down, but he definitely got in. Hey, do you keep in touch with him? Uh, he's on Facebook. Can I can I, definitely, can I, can I, can I drop your name? Can I reach out to him and drop your yeah, name? Yeah, 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 for sure. Oh, cause I, I need to have somebody on this done the Barclays. That's awesome. I don't think he's done it yet. Um, it's okay. I'll do got, it before and after. Okay. But yeah, he's, he is, uh, he is just a great, great kid. And I mean, he's a man, he's not a kid. He's 18, but. Wow. He was, you the, and his dad 18, and their whole, huh? 18 years old and he's got the eco challenge Fiji under his belt and he's got the Barclays coming up. That's, yeah. that's incredible. Uh, he's got way more than that. And most importantly, he's just a good kid. Yeah. The whole fan, their whole team was just awesome like nothing but positive things to say and when we ran into him on the course it would just like brighten your spirits because you know you're with your teammates but it's also nice to talk to other people and just kind of like mm -hmm. you know you've talked about everything with your team so you want to just like oh hunter tell me what what, what have you been up to and so just kind of learning more about other people and so yeah they were cool and then when we saw him after the race they were just so like oh i can't believe it. i'm so sorry and just like they, they're just good people and yeah. they they put on races out there in Georgia and yeah, we're, we're there. Only good things are going to happen for them. So incredible. Definitely my favorite team. Hey, Brett, you know where we are? <laughs> where we, are we? We are at the pro tip inside of the week time. So what is your pro tip inside of the week? What can you tell our listeners out there? Uh, a little something from our conversation today that's going to help make their next adventure that much better. Oh man. I guess I'd have to say, Oh, know where you are in a race. 
know when it's a good time to push and know when it's a good time to just kick back, relax, and finish. Uh, I mean, that was definitely our case. And, you know, <laughs> learn from us. Don't do what we did because uh, you want to finish. And if you're really close to finishing something, don't, don't be out there going balls to the wall unless you're racing for some position. Otherwise, just finish it and do it. <laughs> so, yeah, for sure. That would be my pro tip by learning from us. Don't do what we did. <laughs> well said, sir. Well said. So there you have it. That's it. Episode 37 is in the books. I hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Brett and I want to thank him for joining us this week. Brett, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your latest adventures? Uh, let's see. Uh, social media. I just started the thing known as Instagram. I've never been a <laughs> big social media person, but uh, Gravelin Brett would be how you'd find me. And there's also Team Curl on there. So that is it for now. We're not the biggest social media users. We tend to uh, kind of just, you know, do the family thing and not <laughs> and live our nine to five jobs. Yep. I hear you. I hear you. All right. Hey, remember to check out the John Freakin' Muirpod on social media as well. We are on Instagram and Twitter. And if you have comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at johnfreakinmuir at gmail.com. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, help us out. Take just a minute and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. Right, Brett? Agreed 100%. <laughs> That's a wrap from the John Freakamere studio. Any final thoughts, Brett? No, it's Sunday. I'm going to go and relax and get a nap. <laughs> nice. Good plan. Good plan. Thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if you've been on a billy billy for eight hours and you're looking for a checkpoint. The trail is the trail. Embrace the suck.